Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Beat Your Addiction. I'm your co-host, Scott Jones, along with the man of the hour, John Giordano. John, how are you? <laughs> Alive and above ground. That's what I tell everybody. And healthy. So healthy's far. good. Healthy's good. Um, uh, please uh, share this with your friends. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll be reminded whenever we have new shows. And certainly, if you want to know more about John J. Giordano and his mission, it's that simple. Type that in. JohnJGiordano.com. It's right there on your screen. Please check it out. The publications, John, that you've been in over how many different publications? Oh, it's good. It was 79. I think it's about 82 now. 82 different publications. And, and, and that not including his pictures on the wall in the post office. No, that we don't. That was We don't talk about that anymore. Okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago. And John, you know, you're in you're you've had a lot of years of recovery. Just real quick, why do you do this? Why is it so important for you to get these messages out about recovery? Well, uh, my kid almost died from this. Uh I almost died from it. My wife almost died, and thank God none of us did. And I've had kids die in my arms uh and brought them back to life with CPR, some of them, the ones that I could do that with. And uh I'm helping God's kids. That's how I look at it. And how does does that helping people make your life better? It's actually the best way to get high. Oh, there you go. I put it that way to you. That makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. So we do bring this show. We bring a lot of the special guests. If you'd like to be a guest or something, reach out. Again, go to johnjgiordano.com. There's an email there. Everything's there. Reach out. Let them know you want to be on the show or you've got some ideas for the show. But with that... We're going to get rock and rolling because we got this great guest that I'm dying for us to start talking to. She's coming to us all the way down from Southern California. Yep. Which is, she's one of the smart guests, not one of those guys who lives up in Wisconsin, Wisconsin. who's living in all the snow and crap. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, those, those guys, <laughs> those guys don't get it. But anyway, here we are. We have Mary Giuliani with us. Mary, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. Absolutely. You're welcome. So glad uh, before, to be here. Before we get started, I just want to let everybody know that uh, uh, Mary is a complex trauma coach. Um, and she works with resiliency and recovery, and there's a lot, and we're going to unfold all of that as we go because there's a lot going on there. Um, she's also the author of a book. It's not about food, drugs, or alcohol. It's about healing complex PTSD. So... We'll definitely have to unfold that, and, too. And that and book comes out that. on the 21st. Is that correct, of this month? 21st of February, 2023. Yep. Okay. There we go. So um, you, when you're catching the show, it's brand new. It's just out. Well, they'll be able to get it on Amazon, or they can go to your website, correct? Well, actually, Amazon's better, Amazon.com, but uh, yes. And my, okay. I'll, have, I'll have a link on my website as well. All right. And there we go. It's MaryGiuliani.net. It's right there on the screen. If you want to go and check out her website, find out about everything she does. But anyway, I'm going to step aside and let you and John talk about all of this. And again, Mary, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. You're welcome. All right, Mary, go for it. Tell us what you do and how you do it, by the way. Sure. Well, I, I've been on the recovery path since 1987. And, uh, what happened for me was I decided the reason I wrote this book was after being in the recovery world for many decades, I, I was still struggling in certain ways, you know, even though I wasn't drinking or doing drugs anymore. I, I actually I had lost over 100 pounds and, and been maintaining my weight. I was still struggling with food and caffeine and sleep and 
and close relationships and anxiety. And I read a book called The Body Keeps the Score by Bezel van der Kolk. It's all about childhood trauma. And I, when I bought, when I got the book, I didn't even really think it would be a, pertaining to me. I just love psychology and mental health stuff. And so I read it. And as I'm reading this book, I'm like having one re revelation after another, realizing, oh my God, I'm a trauma survivor. And the reason I never thought I could be a trauma survivor is because I thought you had to have physical or sexual abuse to be considered a, a trauma person. And um, here I'm reading this book, realizing that, you know, I was raised in an alcoholic home and uh, there was a lot of emotional abuse between my parents, some, some physical abuse. And, uh, and I was bullied as a kid growing up. So, you know, I'm reading this book, realizing that being exposed to that much chronic toxic stress over the developing years of my childhood caused my brain, body and mind to be changed because it developed into what's called complex PTSD, which is actually a more severe form of PTSD that because it happens over the course of many years, instead of a single incident, like, like, uh, you know, wartime trauma or an accident or something like that. And um, so just having this revelation, well, first of all, it gave me a sense of relief because it was like, oh my God, no wonder I struggled with food and drugs and alcohol and relationships. And I finally found the core thing underneath what was going on for me. So it really relieved me of a lot of shame and helped me get in touch with trauma-based therapies that could actually give me sustainable relief. What type of therapies? I'm a traumatologist, by the way. That's what I specialize oh, in. Perfect. So, and I've been doing, I'm, and we're close to the same recovery. I'm, I'm in recovery now uh, 38 years. Awesome. Congratulations. And, um, you know, I, I had a lot of trauma growing up. I was sexually abused. My family was a mafia type family. My uncle threw my wedding when I was 20. The caterer insulted him in front of the family, so we killed him. Oh. So uh, we have a lot of things going on with that. But, you know, you call it complex trauma, which is good because I see a, a lot of times people talk about trauma. They talk about the acute phase of trauma. Right. But there's such a thing as subacute. How about your dog dies? Your husband or your wife cheats on you. You get divorced. You lose a job. People get traumatized with a lot of different things and, and how it affects them in their life is what you can look at trauma. And it just repeats and it shades which how you look at life. It colors the Absolutely. way you look at life. So I was in the same similar Italian family that got hit with a belt and the, the, the emotional abuse going back and forth. And yeah, it's pretty wild. So what do you, tell me some of your methodology that you use okay. so we can learn about it. Well, what I learned is that when I before I learned about complex PTSD or childhood trauma, it, it's known as it, it, what's interesting about the term itself is it's it, it's called childhood trauma, uh, complex PTSD or complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Some people call it developmental trauma. Anyway, um, what I learned was before I learned that that this even was my issue, uh, I thought that uh, it trauma was really uh, primarily a psychological issue that could be maybe solved through therapy or medication or something. And what I learned is that trauma actually sits in the body as well as the mind and the world view. Right. And so in order to heal, Bessel van der Kolk talks about how you have to have a visceral 
uh, experience that contradicts what you're normally uh, what you normally experience. So you really have to do body types of therapies as well. Like some of them include yoga, which includes breathing and then getting in touch with your body. Some of them, uh, one of the therapies that I use was neurofeedback, which is a form of biofeedback for the brain. And the, the reason that worked for me <clears throat> is because uh, it helps reset when you, be, when you experience childhood trauma, your nervous system gets set to, uh, for many of us, to what's called hyperarousal, which is a chronic state of sort of tension and anxiety and hypervigilance. And so your brain is set, you know, in that state. And so you, neurofeedback actually, re it's like fine tuning your brain to, to operate uh, on a, like an optimal level. And so it, it brings down the arousal level so that you're more at a baseline so that you're not you're not so anxious, you're not so socially uncomfortable, and uh, you're not as prone to try to soothe that anxiety, which is food, drugs, alcohol, uh, people, you know. So th those are a couple. Then there's a bunch of different psychotherapies that uh, help with uh, trauma. Uh, for example, uh, somatic experiencing is, is a popular one. There's um, AEDP, there's um, tapping EFT, um, and there's also there's also EMDR, which is uh, bilateral stimulation psychotherapy. And the thing that was really mind blowing for me after reading this book was when I hear, heard because I listened to it on Audible, heard Vanderkolk state, "No amount of talk therapy can completely heal trauma." And that's when I realized, oh my God! So for 30 years I've been on this recovery path, and I've been doing 12 step, I've been doing therapy, reading books. But the fact that I never really got body and brain based as well as psychotherapy, regular talk therapy made me realize that none of those things could really touch the part of my body that was still in a trauma response a lot of the time. You know, I'm glad you spoke about the whole body because people don't realize that our emotions are connected to our whole being. It's not just in our head. Okay, and the reason why talk therapy, see, talk therapy to me is excellent, but it talks to the software of the brain. Mm -hmm. You want to get to the hardware, which is your subconscious. It's mm -hmm. just like a computer. Okay, if you erase something on your computer, it's still on your hard drive. So what right. happens, you may quell everything, okay, but then it reoccurs if you get, um, uh, like there was this, this woman that um, was treated with EMDR, which I also do, but I also do a hybrid of EMDR. I'll get into that later. Mm -hmm. uh, and what happened was she was doing fine. She was sitting in a restaurant. A train whistle blew, and she went into the corner shaking and, mm -hmm. you know, going into a trauma state. Okay, mm -hmm. why? Because when she was raped, there was a train whistle that went by. So the brain, mm -hmm. okay, connected that. Because, you see, the brain, as you know, Okay, works in many different quadrants. So what happens is sound, color, smell, taste can all bring memories back. You know, for those, uh, like, you know, you're riding in your car and you hear some music and you can start laughing or you start crying because it brings up a memory. So uh, what I do with trauma is I, EMDR to me is, is, is terrific if it's done properly, mm -hmm. uh, number one. And number two, what I did, I'm also a master's in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. Mm -hmm. I'm also a hypnotherapist, 
and I do holotropic breathing. So I combined all of those modalities with the EMDR technique. Nice. Usually within 20 minutes to 30 minutes, trauma's gone. I don't have to see them again. On wow. occasions, I may, but most of the time, no. I bring their emotions into the body, mm-hmm. okay? And I and I have them uh, understand that it's a, it's a whole person mm-hmm. emotion, okay? So if it's just in the head, all right, then leave the body home. You don't have to go right. anywhere, all right? Okay. So um, I found something that works, I would say, just as good, even better. So That's I opened awesome. up, and I was against this, by the way. I opened up a ketamine clinic. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of the leading experts on psychedelics. I work with Dr. Deborah Mash for another substance called Ibogaine. Mm-hmm. I'm close to a psychedelic. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I've that heard is, of it, but yes, yes. Yeah, detoxes heroin addicts in 24 hours and alcoholics. It's it's amazing. They oh, come I didn't out, know it was good for alcohol too. Wow. Oh yeah, comes out. They have no cravings and they're detoxed. Wow. So. Uh, ketamine does a very interesting thing when done properly, of course, under medical supervision um, and done with where you do intention, where you do integrative coaching, and then you do counseling afterwards. What it does is it opens up that door of the subconscious. Oh, nice. Uh, they have that. There's a lot of science out on it now. It shows how it grows new connections in the brain where mm-hmm. depression and anxiety come from. We treat tremendous mm-hmm. amount of people. I work with a lot of vets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's uh, it's an unbelievable technology, along with NAD plus. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Also, NAD Isn't plus that a, a, amino acid or something. It's an or... enzyme that's in every cell of your body. Yes. Okay. It works with your mitochondria. Your mitochondria is the engine for your cells. I see. All right. So what this this is the the fuel for your mitochondria. What it does is it repairs cells, gives you energy, but there's an offshoot. It also works for depression and anxiety, nice, which is very interesting. Then there's a thing called stellar ganglia block. Are you familiar with that? I'm not. Okay, stellar ganglia block. We do it. Our, this is what we do at our clinic. Um, it's a nerve that runs up and, and normally nerves run in one direction. This one runs up and down. And when you get traumatized, okay, or like you had, uh, let's say you had COVID, and you got long COVID, you lose your taste and you lose your smell, right? What we do is we numb that area. We put, we put, we get an ultrasound so we can see where we go. We put a needle into that nerve and we put it to sleep. Mm-hmm. Now, when it wakes up, it reboots itself and it works for PTSD and it works for long COVID. Uh, it's unbelievable. I didn't, I, I thought this was one of these, um, I don't know how to say it, you know, stupid things, okay? I don't know. Right. But I had long COVID and I lost my taste. Well, I could tell you this, as soon as I come out of it, taste was back. That's amazing. And we deal with uh, firefighters and police officers and vets. Mm-hmm. Works. You know, I'm a result player. I, you know, people tell me things. And I'm also, you know, I've been like, like Scotty was telling you now that I'm currently in 82 medical and scientific peer reviewed journals. I work with about 12 to 15 universities, people that are, neuroscientists, genetics, mm-hmm. uh, you know, researchers. And, you know, I, I like evidence-based. And I know everybody, anecdotal sure. stuff is okay, but, you know, you need evidence-based. But see, Absolutely. people like yourself and people like myself, it's needed out there. 
the recovery program, the, the, the 12 steps is great. The, the, all of that's really good stuff, but you need other supports to get to the underlying yep. issues, the core drivers of what's going on. Absolutely. Well, and like for me, 12 steps saved my life. You know, I got, uh, thank God I found, uh, you know, gay meetings since I'm a lesbian and, uh, it was a safe place for me to go and know that I wouldn't be judged. I mean, one of the biggest things that I think is still so um, prevalent in the people that struggle with addiction or obesity is the shame and stigma about even having it. Um, right. The problem, you know, in our culture is that, well, there's actually a study I cite in my book that 50% of the population still believe addiction is a choice. And um, <clears throat> and if, if, you know, 50% of people believe that, it makes sense that they wouldn't really have compassion or empathy or support initiatives that could really help people struggle. And uh, that's why I think nine, I think it's a, something like 90 plus percent of people won't or won't get treatment for either addiction or mental health issues or even obesity. And so um, just, just under, for me, uh, just a huge piece of healing was realizing that my addictions were never my fault to begin with because they were really a, a a trauma response to the way I had been impacted from growing up in a crazy alcoholic home. And so just like being able to kind of basically create a new coherent narrative about my life and why I struggled the way I did was hugely healing in and of itself. And, um, and so that's one of the messages I want to get out there with the book is that, you know, your struggle with addiction or food or alcohol is not your fault. It's a normal response to growing up in a crazy home and that you can heal and you're not broken. You're not uh, bad or unlovable. And that's the problem with so many of us that struggle with trauma, even if they don't have addiction, if they, you know, if, if you don't use addiction to soothe the pain, it's going to be codependency or work or whatever. Um, realizing it's not your fault and that you can heal and you're not alone. And that's the other thing is so many people, that struggle with these things feel like so much shame about them that they don't even want to talk about it. And uh, the only way to, you know, get support is to recognize that you have an issue and, um, and that you can, you know, recover. So that's, uh, that's the other thing I, I really want to focus on, you know, helping people. Um, the other piece about childhood trauma is, is the relational trauma aspect of it. And uh, the fact that, it happens in the context of close family relationships is why it's also called relational trauma. And that's why one of the hallmarks of people that struggle with childhood trauma is difficulty establishing or maintaining close relationships. And what I realized for me is the reason, and just studying it, is that baked into our nervous system is, is a uh, trauma response when close relationships uh, show up in our lives or the potential for close relationships. And so before I learned about trauma, I never understood why I didn't have that many friends. I mean, I would make friends, but then I would sort of back away from them or, uh, or I'd struggled in my, my romantic relationships. And what I know I now understand is that I was, I was, you know, basically in a minefield of trauma triggers and not realizing that I was getting triggered and my partners were getting triggered. And so I was having all these responses that I didn't understand. 
And it would have saved me a lot of grief and, you know, a lot of relationship grief too, to understand that it's relational trauma and that, you know, there's ways that you can heal that as well. So, you know, I, I want to give you a little different angle. What okay. you, everything you're saying is right on the money. So I just wanted to, you know, to recognize that because that's, that's a piece of what it is, but it's only a piece because see, that's mm -hmm. what everybody's trained. And what I lecture about and what I've learned over the, all these years there's another piece that no one's looking at, and that's the medical piece for depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And what is that medical piece? Well, if you have a low thyroid, you're going to have depression. You may have depression or anxiety. Mm -hmm. If you have leaky gut syndrome, H. pylori infection, low testosterone, even high testosterone, you're going to have depression and anxiety. If you have hypoglycemia, you're going to have depression and anxiety. If you have closed head injuries, you're going to have depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation and behavioral problems. These are medical conditions that contribute to trauma and mm -hmm. to addiction, which no one's really looking at. We keep looking at only the psychological piece. Now, that's a very important piece, you know, and I agree 100% with you. But what about the rest of the body? You know, we talk, about, we talk about the emotions being in the body. Yeah, that's true. Okay, but there's also medical conditions that also support that. And that's why a lot of people in recovery... They get clean, they get sober, but they don't understand that they have other conditions that's dragging them down, not just psychological things. Right. And they just can't figure out. I go to meetings, I have a sponsor, I work my steps, I'm doing everything I can, but I'm still feeling not right. And Absolutely. then I'm looking at that piece. So I, we only look at the shiny object. Right. Well, and you know, the you know, you go to AA meetings and what do you find? Coffee and cookies and you know, all kinds of uh yeah. unhealthy things. And um and in a way there's sort of a uh I don't know if it's a philosophy or sort of an ethos of, well, you know, as long as I don't pick up a drink, I can eat as much junk food as I want or not, you know, and well, the reality see, is is that it all all well, impacts you. Yeah. You bring up some really great points, and I'm glad you're doing that. You see. I work with Dr. Blum. He's the geneticist who found the addiction gene. And what he coined the phrase is RDS. Instead of saying alcohol, eating addiction, uh, work addiction, sex addiction, we call it RDS, reward deficiency syndrome. What does that mm -hmm. mean? Lack of dopamine and serotonin. And that's what addicts and alcoholics chase. And the sugar that's in the meetings, the donuts, the, all that stuff, that's another form of alcohol. It turns mm -hmm. into alcohol. That's what alcohol is sugar. So mm -hmm. on, a, on a microcosmic way, you're really supporting the addiction. And people yeah. don't realize that. Right. <clears throat> now you got eat. I work with people that have eating disorders. I work with people that have gambling addiction. I'm also a certified gambling uh, clinician. Everybody's different. We all float to a different boat. But I've never met an addict or an alcoholic that doesn't have more than one addiction. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, unless we heal the, the root <laughs> cause and, you know, really approach it from a, a body, mind and, you know, spirit level, it's it's not going to be completely healed. And, you know, the other thing that was really interesting for me uh, learning all about addiction and trauma is how uh, Judith Grizel wrote a book called Never Enough. And she's a neuroscientist who's also in recovery. And she talks about how just being raised in a in a an alcoholic or, or a dysfunctional home and having parents that have a history of alcoholism gives you a, a high probability of having about 50% less beta endorphins in your brain to start with. 
That's so right. it's like you have you have uh, pleasure center deficiencies, you have impulse control deficiencies, you have all of these different um, you know focus uh, deficiencies, and uh, so it made sense for me after understanding this that the first time I picked up a drink when I was sixteen, it felt like the elixirs had been sent down from the gods just for me, and now I understand it was because it was like soothing a, a deficit that I didn't even know I had, and you know of course I was really dealing with a lot of stress with my crazy alcoholic home too. But it was like a peak experience for me, uh, drinking and getting high. And um, so, you know, learning, at, at, you know, after I got into recovery, I had to find other things to make me feel good that were healthy, which is pursuing personal growth, pursuing personal goals. Of course, they're not the quick fix. But, you know, as one of my old timers in AA said a long time ago was, uh, uh, AA does for us slowly what alcohol did for us quickly, you know? And um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's not the, it, it's sort of like you, you have to embrace the short-term pain for the long-term gain, you know? And, um, but, you know, finding people that are on the recovery path it was key for me because if I kept hanging out with people that were drinking and using, there was no way I was going to get sober. Nope. You know, you bring up really good points, but I just wonder, for those who are listening, I know this may seem overwhelming, all these different pieces that you have to work on, but guess what? A little bit, that's why they say give time, time. It takes, it took time for us to get sick. It's going to take time to get well. And most people say, well, how much time? Everyone's different. I mean, I always ask people, how well do you want to be? You know, how deep do you want to go? And, you know, if you exercise, which you need to do, if you eat properly, you know, I'm 76 years old. You know, I don't take any medications. I don't have any of that stuff going on. I don't have high blood pressure, diabetes. I have none of that. Why? Because I want to live a quality life. I don't want to just get older or younger or whatever you want to call it. And what people need to understand, especially when you come in the program young, man, you got an opportunity to prepare yourself for when you get older. Okay, unless you want to hang out in hospitals and go to doctor's uh, meetings all the time. So, you know, and, and what you're talking about, and, and good for you that you got a hold of your eating disorder, uh, you got a hold of your addiction, uh, tells me that you put a lot of effort and a lot of work into this. And Absolutely. that's the only way you're going to get a quality of life. Otherwise, you're not going to have a quality of life. You're just going to be existing. And God blessed us with life. So, Absolutely. you know... We, as far as I'm concerned, uh, we were born. That's the gift that God gave us, the birth. and what. We so that's how I look at spirituality, you know, not religion. I'm talking about spirituality. Right. But you guys have covered it a whole lot in, in, in a very short period of time. I mean, it's we've already run up uh, to about our half hour point. Um, one of the things that, uh, Mary, I was listening and I heard you mention before was about the stigma. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just quickly, uh, we see that as a big step stopping point for people to get asked for help, to get help, to remain on the path. Um, but we're also seeing how stigma is almost like a re-triggering the trauma over and over and over again. Do you, is that what you're finding to be true? Absolutely. Well, it's a shame trigger. If you think about it, yeah. it's like it, it reinforces the part of you that already feels like you're broken, that you're weak, that you're a loser. And not realizing that the the reason you even have these struggles is because of the way your brain, body, and mind got changed because of trauma. It wasn't your fault. 
and um, and that you know you can find sustainable ways to heal and feel good in your body. And and that's the whole key. Is before I got sober, I didn't even really think I I didn't I questioned whether I even wanted to quit, even though my life was a living hell because of of food, drugs, and alcohol. I couldn't picture my life being better because that drinking and eating and, and using was the only way that made me feel better. So, you know, um, realizing that there was another way and that I actually could have fun and feel connected being sober and not using food or alcohol or drugs, um, was a key piece of that. So if you're still falling into the stigma and feeling all the shame and the guilt and all those things that, that comes with stigma, uh, the chances of recovering from from the trauma are slim, because you know you've got to you got to be able to step out of it. Um, it, it. Does that almost seem like it should be first? You've the first you've got to accept it and be okay with it before you could do anything about it. Well, I, for me, I just was uh, I hit a, you know I was I don't know if it was so much accepting the stigma. I, I was at such a bottom when I got sober and. I weighed over 300 pounds. I was drinking a 12 pack of beer every day, smoking cigarettes, pot, you know, it, my life was going, it was, my life was a living hell. So I don't know if I had to accept the stigma. I, I was, I was at a certain level of emotional pain where I just couldn't do it anymore. Right. Um, but at the same time for people that aren't at that level, um, I think if I had known that my, my addictions were never my fault, it would have, definitely got me into recovery sooner because I wouldn't have been so triggered by the stigma. Well, I think we got to be careful about saying that addiction is not our fault also because then, because we blame everybody for everything. So I'm not saying it's not our fault. I'm saying it's sort of like, you know, it, it, I am saying it's not our fault that, that we were, yeah, all the things that traumatized, but it's our responsibility to get clean. Right. Well, that, yeah, I wanted to make that clear because some people say, well, see, it's not my fault. So it's okay. It's their fault. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, you become a willing participant right. in the addiction, in the disease, right? Absolutely. And just like you become a willing participant sometimes in your own uh, suffering, uh, you know, just to uh, do that. Listen, folks, uh, please learn more about Mary Giuliani. Um, you know, check her out uh, at her website, MaryGiuliani.net. And certainly uh, her book is coming out on the 21st of February. That is just a short time away from today, which when you're watching this, it'll be available then. Check it out on, his Am- on Amazon. Again, it's it's not about food, drugs, or alcohol. It's about healing complex PTSD. Yes, it's a long title, but it's a good read. So I hope everybody uh, looks forward to grabbing that book. Um, Mary, any final thoughts uh, before we go? Well, uh, just that, you know, if you're struggling with addiction or obesity, you're not alone. It's not your fault. Mm-hmm. And you can heal if with the right therapies. And, and the book does include a workbook for co- healing complex PTSD and healing addiction and getting sober, too. So I put everything in there that I've done to maintain 160 pound weight loss, uh, get sober and heal from complex PTSD. So great work. Great work. Excellent. Oh, I'd like to also tell uh, our audience uh if you want to know more about the ketamine treatment and NAD and all of the things that we do, nutrients, we do a nutrient testing, a micronutrient testing. We do neural feedback. We do biofield. We do a lot of things at the clinic. It's the Ketamine Clinic, South Florida. Uh, come check us out. See, go to our website, Ketamine Clinic, South Florida, and uh, in Pompano Beach. And we'll go from there. 
All right. Well, that's it for this edition. And like I said, please remind, uh, share this with your friends, uh, subscribe to the channel, hit the reminder. Um, but beyond that, we hope everybody takes care of each other. Um, look out for your friends. Again, if addiction or mental health is an issue in your family with somebody that you love, tomorrow is too late to help them. Get them help today. Um, this is a crisis that we are in. So please do not ignore it. If you see something, say something. All right. For now, Scott Jones with your host, John Giordano, thanking our guest, Mary Giuliani. This is Beat Your Addiction. We'll catch you next time. All right, Mary. All right. Bye.